Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new powers can do that. At what cost? You're a good person. Don't do this. I won't lose you the way I lost my mother. I am becoming more powerful than any Jedi has ever dreamed of. And I'm doing it for you. To protect you. Come away with me. Help me raise our child. Leave everything else behind while we still can. Don't you see? We don't have to run away anymore. I have brought peace to the Republic. I am more powerful than the Chancellor. I, I can overthrow him. And together, you and I can rule the galaxy. Make things the way we want them to be. I don't believe what I'm hearing. Obi-Wan was right. You've changed. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. The Jedi turned against me. Don't you turn against me. Because of all, Bjorn. Because of what you've done. What you plan to do. Stop. Stop now. Come back. I love you. Liar! No! You're with him! You brought him here to kill me! No! Let her go, Anakin. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone and welcome back to another exciting episode of the wampas lair podcast this is episode number 342 oh sith i'm as always one of your hosts jason hunt and with me the anakin and obi-wan to my palpatine we have carl leclerc and katie horn oh, i have it's you i have to be anakin i'm sorry it's me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's you. Yeah, oh, that's what you, you say when I jump in through the ceiling. Yeah. Oh, it's you. <laughs> Carl, Carl, no loose wire jokes. No. He's trying. He's, he's trying. <laughs> Did I say anything? Did I, I say didn't anything? Say anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. We'll never make it. Uh. <laughs> it's it's the, the same as ours. That's right. I'm just, just getting, like, really emotional about it now. <laughs> Oh, can you guys can you believe it that we are already to re- episode three on our journey to Rise of Skywalker? Oh my gosh! What's it's happening. 
It's happening. Oh my gosh, we're almost to the OT. And then we'll be in the sequel trilogy. And then it'll be time for Rise of Skywalker. And, and I'll just fall over dead. It's just, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> and then we'll be looking for another co-host unless Katie from the dead is able to still podcast. Oh yeah, um, no, I'll, I'll show up. You know, I'll come crawling out of the desert, Kenobi. <laughs> <laughs> podcast with me, Kenobi. <laughs> yes. I we were just making we were commenting to each other about this before we hit record though about how much fun it's been rewatching the films with this specific lens of looking at them as part of this grand saga story, um, yeah. this Skywalker saga story. So I, there's so much to say about Revenge of the Sith, and I'm really excited to dive into it. But before we do, we have some <laughs> iTunes reviews we need to we need to hit up because folks are being kind enough to write them for us, so we want to read them. Um, I'm going to read two more today. Our first one comes from Ethan Nex. And Ethan next says, I don't listen to much podcasts, but after going to the Phoenix Comic-Con, I heard about this podcast while at a Clone Wars panel. I forgot which host it was, Jason, who was nope, there. That was me. <laughs> but I've been having a blast listening to these each week and catching up with the previous episodes as well. So thank you, Jason, for being at Phoenix Comic-Con. And thank you, Ethan next for listening to Jason and then listening to the show. Yeah, that's yes. so flattering. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, doing those panels at Phoenix Comic Con is always a lot of fun, and I'm glad people enjoy them. Um, and I'm glad that people actually decide to check us out afterwards because you know sometimes it's like, hey, we just come and sit and talk, and people enjoy it. But then it's like, does anything happen afterwards? I don't know. I'm just glad somebody told me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, we our next review comes from. Uh, I love I love this username Adam from Earth, which is great. And he literally <laughs> he quotes himself in his own review, which I think is hilarious. He wrote quote he he writes quote exactly the kind of Star Wars po- Star Wars podcast I've been looking for end quote at Adam from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't. Okay, thank you, Adam from Earth, who I am convinced is definitely from Earth and not outer space. I am very much convinced that you are, in fact, human and not a visitor from another planet. Again, thank you. We've got our Adam. first. We've got our first uh, review from Area Fifty One. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> God. Um, yes. Sorry, I had to make the joke. Low hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you to both Ethan Nex and Adam from Earth for for taking the time to write the reviews in the iTunes Store. Again, if if you haven't yet written one and you're either new to the show or just have had, haven't had the opportunity. We really appreciate that kind of support because it makes the podcast more visible and uh, helps share the love for the lair. So thank you to both of you. And we have some more to read next week. Yippee. Woo-hoo! Yippee. <laughs> <laughs> so speak- speaking of incredible Larian input, we had a poll last week where we asked all of you in light of our inspirational episode um, what you find to be the most inspirational Star Wars movie right now in your experience. And Jason, as per usual, we have quite a plethora of responses. Um, So what did the Larians have to say? Well, uh, quite a bit here, so let me get started. Uh, In seventh place with one vote each, we have The Mandalorian which hasn't come out yet. Um, we've got 
the book i jedi which is not a movie but he was like i want to put it in there because that's what's inspiring me at the moment so hmm. very Fair nice enough. yeah um rise of skywalker which also has not come out yet uh revenge of the sith ewoks battle for endor yes <laughs> and my vote uh the phantom menace so nice yes yes um all with one vote in sixth place with two votes we've got uh rebels in oh. yep in fifth place with three votes we've got the clone wars um and return of the jedi although i think clone wars was both for the movie and for the tv show so um and carl your vote was for return of the jedi correct indeed yes it's because of all those Ewoks, huh? Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Only those cuddly little furballs could beat out Solo for me. So, uh, What good little murder bars. I know. <laughs> murder bars. Um, in fourth place with four votes, we've got The Empire Strikes Back. Third place with five votes, Solo, a Star Wars story. And here's where things really start to separate. Um <laughs> In second place, with 13 votes, including Katie's, we have The Last Jedi. Yes! <laughs> and then I think Katie predicted this, uh, but in first place, with 16 votes, Rogue One. I knew it. I knew I knew it was going to be Rogue One. That movie is very inspirational, let's be mm, real. And just, yeah. there's so much love for, for it, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, I knew it. I called it. <laughs> <laughs> Katie I just called. get to be right, okay? That's, <laughs> you guys got to accept it. I, I'm just right. <laughs> and well, you know what's interesting, though, is that the top three, and especially those top two that won in a landslide, but the mm-hmm. top three are all Disney-era Star Wars. Um, Ooh, yeah. Which I think just speaks yeah. to the importance of having new Star Wars stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I'm constantly inspired by what's come before, but how much more inspiring to get a new story you've never heard before and, and get to dive into that and... and wade into the water of something new for a long time like rogue one for instance so yeah um so yeah yeah it's it's awesome you know and i think i think that's a it's a fun question that i think can change it's going to change with time right because each each of these films has different things that'll speak to different parts of us so um yeah yeah Uh, i i think i missed one here uh the force awakens uh also was set sixth place with two votes i don't think i said that um, so I just want to make sure I get all of the responses in there. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta it. show some love for TFA. Yeah, I mean yes. that was our our breath of fresh air, you know, after so long. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, there we go. Speaking of very important questions, you know, questions that will change with time. I have one for you guys. Uh oh. Yeah. So I want to know what you guys will be seeing in December between these two movies that come out on the same day, will you be seeing the rise of Skywalker or will you be seeing cats? Could care less about cats. I've never seen it. have no interest in any cat besides Embo. So <laughs> couldn't care less. Oh my God. The uh, so trailer <laughs> cats just, I, I was terrible. don't know what to say. It's, <laughs> I had the same reaction to the rise of Skywalker, <laughs> <laughs> but for way different reasons. Uh, <laughs> I will be seeing the rise of Skywalker. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so no, 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 neither of you are going to go see cats with me. <laughs> I hope you love it. Anime, 
I don't think I could sit through an hour and a half with that animation. It's just bizarre. I'm going to keep like, I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's just <laughs> weird. It's a neat concept, but it. I, okay. I'm done. Okay. So you can see two movies on uh, December, whatever day that is. 20th, I can't remember. Right, 20th? Something like that. You can see two movies, but you can't see Rise of Skywalker twice. Do you just go home or do you come and watch Cats with me? Because you guys know I'm going to be watching Cats twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see Rise of Skywalker twice. I no, don't, I don't I don't, you can't. I knew You're that I could, I'm going to. I am <laughs> the bulls. <laughs> I am the Senate. Um <laughs> Okay, okay, fine. I'll go see Star Wars with you nerds, but I'm going to dress up like a cat, okay? <laughs> oh, I'll just dress up as a cat and say, I am a Star Wars character. I'm Embo. Nobody will get it unless you know me. So. <laughs> okay, wait, wait, wait. Sorry, one more question. One more question. Would you rather watch The Rise of Skywalker, but you have to be dressed as a cat the entire time, or would you rather watch cats dressed as your favorite Star Wars character? I will dress as a cat. Yep. I will definitely. Too. You yeah, can't I take it off. You can't, you know, you have to have like furry little paws so you can't like eat your popcorn without getting them all greasy. That's okay. That's, <laughs> That's all fine. right. Okay. I'll just bring a protein shake with a straw. So <laughs> That's fine. I'll just I'll just be dressed as Darth Maul watching cats. <laughs> you guys, good luck with that. Good <laughs> I, oh, I honestly am I, I don't I shouldn't be surprised we're having this conversation. <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised. Uh- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, you know, knowing the topic that we're about to get into, I just had to inject some levity. <laughs> you guys we're are going to have to hold me. this podcast with as much levity as possible, much like Revenge of the Sith tried to do. Right. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> right. So, um, uh. Because you guys know me with Revenge of the Sith, I cannot handle how sad it gets. I need I need to be like held and like gently swayed before the end. <laughs> you know? Okay, um, I don't I don't know whether or not it's because I just haven't watched Revenge of the Sith all the way through in a while, or if it's just because I'm I'm trying to think of it in the greater uh, perspective of our of our saga story at the at this point uh, in terms of our episode. But when I watched it today. Like it was, it was so heartbreaking in so mm-hmm. many areas that I, you know, I, I haven't quite noticed before. Like my heart broke for Anakin, you know, so much up through the moment where, you know, even when he's killing all the the, the uh, separatist leaders, and we get that final shot of him standing out there with a single tear, Carl. Um, <laughs> Through about then, I'm just like I'm so heartbroken for Anakin. But then after that, my entire emotional investment swung to Obi Wan, and like oh, okay. Anakin broke my heart for Obi Wan after that because I was like, you're you're just you're being terrible. Stop, Anakin. You know, and and Obi Wan just broke my heart with with how everything went down at the end. So I don't know. It was a very interesting thing. Uh, to watch that switch happen. Yeah, kind of now that we've gotten to the end of the prequel trilogy, you do kind of realize that, like, yes, this is Anakin's story, but it's Obi-Wan's story, too. The, the, the 
prequel trilogy specifically. You know what I mean? Especially how, like, it starts with Qui-Gon Jinn, and he essentially has these two sons. You know, you were my brother, Anakin. You know what I mean? It is Mm. about how these two brothers, you know, move forward after the death of their father, really. You know? Mm. And how, you know... uh, But it's so complicated because, you know, Obi-Wan then also kind of has to step into a paternal role for Anakin. But, you know, but it's hard because they're only like 10 years apart in age, you know. uh, Yeah, it's it's just it really becomes clear by the end of this movie that it it, Obi-Wan was pulling his weight throughout this entire trilogy as well. You know, like while Anakin was off developing on his own, you know, having his relationships with Padme, you know, Obi-Wan was also off doing his own thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 What do you think? What do you think, though, is some of the like, what's one of the big things that jumped out at you pertaining to how this is, right? The saga story where things finally start to really go bad, right? Episode Mm -hmm. one is ultimately, you know, there's this rising phantom menace, but the force kind of has a response to it in the chosen one of Anakin. Mm -hmm. Episode two is very much about things getting very gray and muddy. Um, yeah. The start of this Clone War with Anakin engaging into this secret marriage. Um, and this is where everything ultimately falls apart. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the Skywalkers, and the Force, in a way, is running to catch up to those mistakes, is how I see it. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, there was there was a lot that I noticed about this movie when, you know, as we've discussed before with The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, I noticed so much more when I thought about this movie as how it fits as a, as a step in in this nine-step journey, you know. Um thinking about uh the the not only the questions that that rise up in this movie, but um how it starts paying off the themes of of the two steps that came before it you know in in the phantom menace when everything is good and just starting to get murky you know um yoda makes the the observation that you know the dark side clouds everything mm. you know what i mean and we really see that pay off in this movie with um especially how this movie starts talking about how they're right up in the crawl war evil is everywhere there are heroes on both sides you know, everything yeah. is murky, you know, evil is everywhere. And then, you know, once, you know, the, the day is saved, the, the chancellor is rescued, right? Everything looks good. You know, Anakin lands on Coruscant and everybody, you know, starts singing his praises. You know, he's a hero. Obi-Wan says as much. He's like, oh, you, you know, look at all this great stuff you did. You killed Count Dooku. You're the hero now. Mm. He killed Count Dooku and he's the hero now. Bail Organa. You know what I mean? He's going to be Leia's dad. He's supposed to be a good guy, right? Is looking at Anakin and saying, we can't thank you enough. Yeah. You know? The Republic can't so, praise you enough. Can't his, praise you enough. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So heroism is being conflated with war, mm. you know? Yeah. And, and that's so interesting how the dark side has clouded, you know, mm. uh, our ideals of, yeah, of heroism and stuff like that. And that's just here's so interesting. Yeah. Here's something. <laughs> thing i noticed sort of in relation to that Mm -hmm. this movie plays up on a lot of similarities between anakin and what we know of ben solo kylo Mm -hmm. ren Mm -hmm. um and there are things that anakin does in this movie and in the clone wars um that where they're done outside of war would have been more alarming to people. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. would have been some 
something that would have been caught in the way that people started reacting to Ben, you know, when he's doing stuff as a Knight of Ren. You know, it, like like the, some of the some of the actions that Anakin does here at the beginning of, of the movie when he kills Dooku, for example, um, you know, it's it's very much in line with with what Kylo is doing in, you know, uh, right off the bat in the Force Awakens when he's killing Lor Santeca and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It, it it is almost beat for beat, you know, this kind of thing. But Anakin right now is still being heralded as one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. In this fog of war, you know, and 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 Anakin, it makes me wonder: Does that mean Anakin is just farther gone than we thought at this point, or does it mean that Kylo is not as far gone as we are led to believe? You know, and and it's yeah. just this interesting thing that I, you know, obviously time will tell with with Rise of Skywalker where everything is because there are some days where I think Ben is, you know farther gone than we can imagine um or and then there's times where i'm like well no redemption is is entirely feasible and highly possible um you know you know and i and i waver on that one um but the 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 correlation between anakin and kylo is very very evident in revenge of the sith yeah. I mean, they have the same scar in right. this movie, you know, right. Right. <laughs> and almost the same hair. So, yep. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that good old Skywalker hair. <laughs> you know, and it, you know, to this point that you bring up, Katie, about the the fact that you know war has now been conflated into this sense of heroism, mm-hmm. which we know is something that is truly false by the end of the film, and it's a truth that Yoda takes with him because the, one of the first things he says to Luke in Empire is wars not make one great, right? right? This idea that a hero is not someone who takes up arms and is violent. And that's something that we're obvi- we obviously see in kind of a very big and beautiful way in Last Jedi with the way that Luke strolls out there. Um, well, you know, strolls out there in, uh, in spirit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. even physically go to engage. Um, Right. So this this sense of um, somehow being the violent hero is a good thing is something that we see is just false in, in the actions of Revenge of the Sith. Um, you know, one thing that I did really struck me as I was thinking about the movie today um, is that strong visual statement that Ryan Johnson gives us in Last Jedi, right, of Kylo strolling into Crate Base and how that right. obviously mirrors um, Anakin strolling into the Jedi Temple. Um, yeah. I'm sure that was intentional. Um, mm-hmm. But what's also interesting is that that visual motif in Revenge of the Sith of Darth Vader strolling on the Jedi Temple, because that's not Anakin anymore. Um, mm. This is the entrance of our well-known villain. So to kind of give that visual motif to Kylo, I think, is obviously indicating that Kylo is now the supreme villain. Doesn't mean he's irredeemable, but he is Mm -hmm. definitely the villain, is what I feel like we're getting told visually. And what's so important about that scene for Anakin slash now Vader is this is Vader encapsulating something that Kylo preaches all throughout Last Jedi about, you know, kill the past. Um, this is Anakin strolling up to destroy every part of his identity up to that point. And 
right. that little boy, um, which, I, by the way, I, I looked it up because I didn't obviously know this off the top of my head. Um, but the name of the little youngling who comes out from behind the chair and says, there's too many of them, Master Skywalker. What are we going to do? Um, <laughs> that character's name is, uh, oh, shoot, where it is? Soars Bandim um, is the name okay. of that character. So I'm going to be cosplaying him at the next celebration. Um, <laughs> but poor little Soars Bandim, who, by the way, looks a lot like little Annie, right? You it's sure a little blonde boy, oh, dirty blonde hair. This is Darth Vader killing little Annie. So what Obi-Wan said was true from yeah. a certain point from of view, right? Like view. Yeah. it's very clear that Anakin is attempting to kill his past here to eradicate the goodness of what's come before, um, mm. which is obviously something that Kylo is hell bent on when we get to episode eight. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, to kind of, kind of piggyback on that was something that, that really struck me during this rewatch was, um, when Palpatine looks at Anakin and says, um, uh, you've always wanted a life beyond that of an ordinary Jedi, a life of significance, you know, of conscience. You know, that's what he, that's what he says when he looks at Anakin, you know, kind of trying to distill for Anakin why he's so upset and why he's so frustrated with everything, you know, which isn't true. This, you know, Anakin's not upset because he's not an ordinary Jedi. Mm. It, or, no, he's not upset because he is an ordinary Jedi. He's not upset because he's not significant enough, you know. I mean, it is frustrating when they deny him the rank of master, but that's not the core of his grief and his anger. And when Palpatine makes him focus on, well, you're you're just upset because you're not getting the proper accolades, you know, that, that really is just the dark side continuing to cloud things. Yeah. But I thought that was so incredibly interesting because in The Phantom Menace, you know, what did little Anakin want when he was, you know, that little boy on Tatooine? He just wanted to be a Jedi. And just being just being a Jedi was extraordinary to him, you know? And now that he is a Jedi, it's not good enough. It's mm. you know, he's not significant enough. Yeah. Like, you know, he's he still feels like that small, powerless person. That that that's interesting. And then, of course, it makes me think about Kylo Ren looking at Rey, telling her, you know, you have no place in this story. You're nothing, you know, and Rey right. having to realize that that she is what makes herself worthy, you know, not no external validation, you know, like Mace Windu could have come in that room and been like, hey, Rey, you're a master on the Jedi Council. And that that was never going to make Rey worthwhile. Rey makes Rey worthwhile, you know? Yeah. 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 Kind of piggybacking off of that, uh, all of this, you know, the, one of the big, huge themes that I just saw over and over and over again in Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. is the fact that prince, the principles, the principles of the the good guys, the uh, Anakin, you know, from, from the individuals to, you know, Anakin, Mace Windu, uh, to the macro, you know, the the Jedi, the the Republic, are just being eroded and they're sacrificing their principles mm. um, in order to try and achieve the end of the war or to achieve something, you know, and, and, and they're, they become more willing to sacrifice those things as things get more and more desperate or as things get more and more confused. Um, and it appears to me that you know after the rebellion has come through and and restored 
you know, a, a sense of, of order and hope to the galaxy that we've got Ray and the Resistance trying to sort of restore the principles to mm-hmm. people um, and to, to you know, we, we're, we're bringing it back from the macro back to the micro mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to restore principles and goodness not only to the galaxy as, as a whole, but to, to people, to individuals, to, to Luke – hopefully to Ben, you know, things like that, you know, it, it, and it, it's, it's just an interesting thing to watch because obviously the, the one that we see, the person that we see sacrificing their principles and their, their convictions the most is Anakin, but it's interesting to watch Mace Windu, who I, I know is not a favorite character on this podcast, <laughs> um, but he is someone who is fiercely loyal and dedicated to the Jedi and to the ideal of the Republic, but mm. primarily the Jedi. He gets to the point where he's talking in that war room with Yoda and Kiarimundi about needing to take the Chancellor out of office if he doesn't start, you know, rescinding mm-hmm. his power. Mm-hmm. This is like a coup. And when Palpatine tells the Senate that there was an attempt on his life and there was an attempted coup by the Jedi, he's not exaggerating that much. <laughs> you know? It, 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 it's, it's twisted, yes, but he doesn't have to twist it that much. He just has to shine a specific light on it. And Mace Windu is you know a very is a less uh, highlighted aspect of of how everything is shedding its values and shedding mm-hmm. its morals and its principles for the sake of what they deem to be the good you know or the yeah. end you know yeah, it's it's so interesting to me that um, you know ev- everybody that we look at in this movie desperately wants the war to end. You know, we are all sick of it, but everybody wants it to end on their terms. Oh, yeah. You know, this can't fight. Uh, this fight can't end until it ends the way I want it to. You know, it's not. We're not done until you know. And meanwhile, there's Padme in the background going, this war represents an inability to listen. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Our voice yeah. of reason, you know, <laughs> in the back. And, and, and nobody wants to listen to her, you know? And, and that's not how diplomacy works. That's not how, that's not how peace works. You know, you, can, you can't be like, this argument is only over when you 100% agree with me and apologize for disagreeing with me in the first place. You know, that's... That's not how that works, you know, <laughs> and that's not, yeah, that's not how we move forward. And, and, you know, it, and Padme is really just saying, Hey, maybe if we listen to each other, you know, and let diplomacy resume, then the fighting will truly stop, you know, then, then the war will be over and nobody wants to let that happen. And, you know, and then it's so specific to Anakin, you know, because he, he wants the fighting to stop, I think more than anybody, you know, but he, he's, he has the ear of the chancellor and he's like, I'm not going to ask him to stop because, you know, you sound like a separatist, Padme, make, you know, make that request in the Senate where that belongs, you know, he, uh, he 
he won't let the fighting stop until, you know, he, he kills Grievous, you know, and he kills everybody that ever disagrees with him, you know, because that's when the fighting's over. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and the fighting, and that's in a way like that point mm-hmm. you just made, Katie, is it's, it's kind of Anakin really embodying something he said to Padme in episode two, which is, you know, um, mm. you know, not, not everybody always agrees. Padme says, well, then they should be made to. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my you, gosh. You and, then, and then he says at the end when she arrives on Mustafar, you know, he's like, you know, I could overthrow the, the chance that. The Chancellor. He calls him the Chancellor. Um, <laughs> and we could rule the galaxy and make things the way we want them to be, you know, just like he was saying by yeah. the freaking waterfall. Yeah, yeah. Except it's not a joke anymore. <laughs> no. Like, what, uh, wouldn't dictatorship be great? Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding. Actually. <laughs> you know? Actually, Padme, you want this? You want it? <laughs> yeah. But, oh, man, what's so interesting to me as well is how he says, um, you know, to, to Obi-Wan, if you're not with me, then you are my enemy, you know, and you're going to make a lot of enemies that way. Everyone who disagrees with you is your enemy. You know, you can't talk to people who disagree with you and you can't understand or empathize with people who disagree with you. Okay. <laughs> like, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this everything about Revenge of the Sith, I think, mm-hmm. does really hinge on Anakin. Um, right. And right. in so many ways, kind of the 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 big way, kind of that macrocosm is the fact that he is the chosen one. Um, and what does that mean? And the Jedi's the Jedi in their inability to fully understand that and realize it. Um, and but also at the same way, he represents something for the Jedi. That if he can be corrupted, well, so can the Jedi. Um, and I think, but on the more personal level, which is even like, you know, deeply rooted in this movie beyond all the big galactic stuff going on, is a very intensely personal internal struggle for Anakin. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, even though it's not incredibly well acted, um, but is that scene when Anakin is saying to Padme, you know, um, I'm not the Jedi I should be. I want more, but I know I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. There's this really genuine frustration that Anakin feels that, you know, the entire decade and a half that he's been raised in the Jedi, he's been told he's the chosen one. He comes in with that truth, but it doesn't seem like he's anything special. Going back to what you said earlier, Katie, right? Like he wants something right. more than the life of an ordinary Jedi. Um, because again, there's there's nothing extraordinary about him yet in his mind, and and that's yeah. really frustrating for him. And I think what's really interesting is he feels like he's being held back by the order, and even Obi Wan. I mean, he confesses as much in Episode Two that you know it's all Obi Wan's fault. He's holding me back. Um, so what is what does Anakin ultimately do here? Well, he makes that deal with the devil. He goes to someone who he thinks can actually help him. Nobody seems to understand. His pain, I mean, again, in his mind, nobody seems to get me, so I'm going to go to the one person who's offering me what I ultimately need, which is the chance to save Padme. Um, even mm-hmm. in that scene, right, like, and, you know, she's like, what is really going on with you here? Well, you know, I'm going to, I got to find a way to save you. And again, she just kind of writes it off. Um, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. Anakin doesn't feel heard there, so he goes to somebody 
who makes that promise for something that he wants, um, makes that promise to become something more. Um, and to me, I see that as very similar to what's going on in Last Jedi with when Rey makes the decision to leave Luke. And mm. right, she's there to commence her training as a Jedi. She has an idea of what she needs to do. She needs to and then you know with this connection she has with kylo she really believes that he is kind of the link to fixing the problem of the first order so she wants to go and and confront that and and luke's not luke's not there for her so she basically says well the hell with this i'm going to go to the person that i think can fix this she's wrong just like anakin (laughs) was um but uh you know again kind of a similar story beat there about going to somebody who's going to offer you something when the person that ought to be offering you that is failing, right? The Jedi are failing Anakin. Luke is failing Rey. Well, at the same time, what Anakin needs is not a way to save Padme. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I mean, it kind of is because Padme gives him the answer, you know, Anakin, all I want is your love. Love won't save you, Padme. Only my new power can, you know, And, and you have to wonder if he did, you know, go with her if she necessarily would have died. You know what I mean? It, it, it all, yeah. It's it's an interesting question. Sure. But then, you know, um, but that doesn't erase the fact that, that, you know, like you were saying, Carl, Anakin just doesn't feel heard. He doesn't feel heard at any point in this movie. You know, he, he is constantly being shut down. Every time he opens up about what he's feeling, he gets shut down. You know, he, uh, Obi-Wan doesn't hear him. Uh, even Padme does it, even though she doesn't mean to, um, that, that exact same scene you were talking about, you know, where Padme's like, Hey, what's really going on here? It starts with Anakin saying the Jedi don't trust me, which we, as the audience knows, objectively true, because we just saw Mace Windu go, I don't trust him. You know, (laughs) Mace Windu literally just said that to Obi-Wan and Yoda, you know, so we know that this is objectively true. And Anakin comes to Padme with that fear and her immediate reaction is they trust you with their lives. Like, she's like, what am I here? What? Anakin, you know, like she's trying to be reassuring. She's, you know, she's just all like, what? No, these are your friends. Of course they trust you, Anakin. You know, take a deep breath. You know, she's she's thinking about Obi-Wan. Right, and she's true. right. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's right, right when it comes yeah. to Obi Wan. Right, but because so Obi Wan's Obi Wan's retorts to retort to to Mace Windu is you know, yeah, he's never let me down. You know, exactly. So, you know. Yeah. So, so you know, she's not she's not wrong, and she is just trying to be reassuring. But at the same time, that's not addressing the fear or or the pain driving that fear in Anakin. Right. You know, we're not getting to the core of you know why he said that. You know, I. I, I Honestly, a better reaction would be like, why do you feel that way? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like not, you know, what Padme is basically saying is what you're feeling is invalid and not real, mm. you know, and that's not what Anakin needs right now. He needs that support and he's not getting it from anywhere. So he goes for the immediate comfort of Palpatine just telling him what he wants to hear, you know. And, uh, and so, yeah, if, if this movie is a step in a much larger journey, what we're seeing here is how not to handle these things. You know, right. we see how it works out when we give in to anger, when we give in to fear, you know, because that's what I think the, the questions ultimately being raised by the mo- this movie and by, you know, Star Wars as, as a nine part saga. The questions being asked here are, you know, how do we deal with grief and loss? You know, the fear of what we, of 
letting go of what we fear to lose, right? You know, mm. I'm not going to lose you like I lost my mother, you know? Yeah. Um, how do we deal with anger? This incredibly natural thing, you know, um, it, that happens at the beginning of this movie. You know, Palpatine looks at Anakin and, and says, oh, it's only natural that you, you know, that you wanted to kill Dooku, right? He cut off your arm, you know? Like, of course you're going to get hurt and want revenge of course you're going to get hurt and and feel angry that is a natural reaction to have but what do you do with that anger you're right. you know that's that's the question you know what do you, it is natural to have it and you are not a bad person for having those feelings but what do you do with them you know that that's the question being asked here and the answer at the end of this movie is well this is how you don't handle it you know right and 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 it's and it's going to be the uh, you know the next six films that are going to show us what, well, what's the right way to, to handle grief and loss and anger, you know, and hate and, and failure. How do we deal with failure? You know, that's Obi-Wan's word in this movie. You know, I failed you, Anakin. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is, by the way, is not the same thing as saying, I'm sorry. I failed you, Anakin, is not the same as saying I'm sorry, which is why I think it's so important that Luke Skywalker looks at Ben Solo and says, I failed you, Ben. I'm sorry. Mm. You know? Like those are very, very different things. You know, it's the same confrontation, you know, the apprentice looking at the master who failed him so profoundly, you know, let him down. And, you know, one of these guys says, I'm sorry. And the other doesn't. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And so, yeah. So those, those I think are our questions, you know, being raised. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even, you know, right. Well, like I think it's all, a lot of us realize, right. That one of the primary themes of last Jedi is, is, the theme of failure, right? There's failure. So people that yeah. fail. Yep. Well, that's also the truth in Revenge of the Sith. I mean, like you said, Katie, Obi-Wan says, it, I failed you. Yoda says the same thing. Into exile, must I must go. Failed, I have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, but what do they do with that failure is profoundly important. And I think that both Yoda and Obi-Wan respond much better to failure than Luke does. Um, I mean, they leave knowing they failed, but with a deeper conviction and deeper understanding of what needs to take place. Yeah, they have like a goal. Both of them have something they're going to do, you know. And I think they they have the advantage of not having the same level of grief that Luke Mm -hmm. does. Um, Right. You know, or at least they're not, you know, feeling it the same way. Um, But yeah, you know, it's okay to fail as long as you learn Mm -hmm. from it. Um, but I think, you know, part of what leads to those failures is, um, the, the reality of, of lying, (laughs) um, lying is a huge part of revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Deception. Palpatine's lying to so many people. He's lying Mm -hmm. to Anakin. Um, Anakin is lying to Obi-Wan. Uh, he's lying to the council. He's lying to himself. Padme. Lying to Padme. Padme's lying. Padme's lying to herself and lying to yeah. her fellow senators. Um, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's lying that he doesn't know the truth about Anakin and Padme. Like there's all, yeah. This, yeah. there's all these lies. And the problem with that is how it disrupts everything. And we've talked about this before, how the original trilogy, we have much more authentic, honest relationships among our main, main mm-hmm. characters. Yeah. Um, but if, again, we don't have this specifically yet, but again, very excited. They announced this weekend, the the rise of, Kylo Ren comic series. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like, and again, this is something that seems to be hinted at very clearly in the, the novel bloodline. Luke and Leia have lied to Ben 
his entire life about yeah. who his grandfather was. Right. Yeah. Um, that's on both of them. That's on Luke and Leia. You know, neither of them are, are, are innocent of that that reality. And yeah. those, even though Luke wanted to tell, he respected Leia's decision not to tell, uh, which is what Leia says in, in the book. Um, that's not in, in bloodline. So that's the thing is that that's not even that's not being fair to Luke and Leia. You know, sorry, not we're not the ones being unfair. Luke and Leia aren't being fair to themselves. You know, right. because there's obviously a pain and a grief there that comes with knowing who their father was. You know, and what right. their father did to them, and not being open and honest about it with you know with Ben Solo. That's not that's not being fair to themselves. You know. That's not letting the next generation learn. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's, that's, yeah. It, it, if I recall Bloodline correctly, um, mm-hmm. the conversation that Leia has, or, it, or the thoughts that she's having on this subject, um, are that Luke v- sees their father as Anakin Skywalker. She still can't get past Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. And, and because of that, she doesn't want the conversation to happen. She doesn't want to expose Ben to that. And Luke wants to tell Ben about Anakin, but because Leia doesn't want to to have that conversation, doesn't want to expose Ben to that at this point, Luke refrains. Um, if I recall correctly, but yeah, it, yeah, it's still being dishonest and it's still, you know, whatever the reasons were, neither of them told and Han didn't tell because, you know, I, let's be honest that that's not Han's place to tell either, well, but be, he could have. How's Han being Han about it? Han be like, this is above my pay grade. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> che- Chewie, you tell him. Oh, uh, yeah. sure. <laughs> so, um, but like, it, it still, it still is is lying by omission because when it's blasted all, all over the galaxy, you know, Darth Vader, Luke and Leia's father, you know, uh, I can only imagine, you know, Ben coming in with the newspaper or whatever yeah. and saying, "Hey, <laughs> Uncle, uh, what's, what's this about?" <laughs> yeah, what's no, this? Like- wasn't even a newspaper it was like you know jedi academy facebook you know all of his friends (laughs) heard about it before he did you know that he came into class that day and all of his friends were like "Ooh, (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, oh no that's exactly what happened it's like um and then hey hey hey, uncle yeah this is about um (laughs) yeah and you know in in both we get the sense that in in kind of the aftermaths of of kind of both these incidents, right? So even after Revenge of the Sith, it's kind of a secret that Darth Vader is Anakin, right? Very few people know. Most people assume that Anakin fell in the temple when Darth Vader attacked. Um, That's kind of the general consensus publicly. And that's so much so the case that even after the Battle of Endor, um, folks just assume Vader is now dead and Leia lets them bury that, the truth there, right? Because even yeah. that's that's the big scandal of Bloodline. Is the scandal is who is in Leia's bloodline? The Senate didn't know. The New Republic leadership didn't know the truth of Leia's background, um, and she kept it hidden. And I think that's ultimately what gets her into trouble in that story. Isn't so much like 
oh, like, because it's kind of foolish to be like, oh, well, your grandfather's Darth Vader. You must be evil. It's not so much that. It's just you knew this and never ex- and just never said it. Like, that's the problem yeah. is the fact that you, yeah. that you hit right. it. The, it's right. not a problem that that's the truth. The problem is, is you hid the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, precisely. And and that's all over the place in Revenge of the Sith. Everybody, the truth is almost never visible in Revenge of the Sith. Um, you're right, Carl. Everyone is lying to everybody, whether it's you know malicious or not. People are trying to you know Padme is just trying to keep you know keep things away from Anakin for his own good or something. You know, she doesn't want to tell him about her meetings with the, uh, the loyalist committee that right. take place off screen now because they got deleted. Um, <laughs> <sighs> I still want an extra five wow. minutes inserted into this movie with some of that back in anyway. Um, but you know, it, Anakin isn't being honest, and we get that from his first nightmare when he goes back out on the balcony, and she actually confronts him and says, when are we going to be honest with each other? Yeah, how long is it going to (laughs) take? How long is it going to take before we're honest with each other? And she includes herself in that, so she knows, you know. Um, yeah. It's not just Anakin. It, it's her, too. So she's acknowledging it, but they still don't get past it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, Anakin's mission to report back to the council on Palpatine's dealings is not on record. It's requested True. by the council, but it's not on record. Obi-Wan has to give it to Anakin in secret in the hallway uh, because the Jedi don't want this to be an official thing. You know, if they're wrong... And it gets out that they were spying on the Chancellor. Oh, man. You know, <laughs> but still, like, it, it, everything is shrouded in deception. And that's where Palpatine thrives. And that's where Palpatine is just eating everything up. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, the man chews up the scenery in this movie, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I think. Um, like you were both saying earlier on that, and, and I felt this too watching Revenge of the Sith today is it really is just such a heartbreaking story. If you really, yeah. I mean, you just really watch it. It's like, man, everything is going, everything is going wrong. I mean, which yeah. is the point of the story. Um, but in light of that, there's also like this weird sense of clarity when everything goes wrong. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I love that little shot and it's, it, it was supposed to be in the movie, but it got deleted for whatever reason. It's, it's a great little scene in the novel. Best, sorry, best novel in all of star Wars, revenge of the Sith. What, who said that? I did Carl Leclerc. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, I really like it from earth, from, from, from Carl, earth. Carl from earth. <laughs> um, yeah. but, uh, that scene on Polis Massa at the end of the movie where Yoda's meditating and then bail, you know, kind of interrupts him to say, Obi-Wan's there. Um, in, in the original screenplay as well as the novel, and then there obviously was a deleted scene where that's him communing with Qui-Gon. Um, and again, I feel like this is a moment where Yoda has learned a lesson that he also takes with him to Dagobah, which is, you know, how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are at peace, you know, mm. calm, passive. There's something that's, it's, um, like the the just w- looking at Yoda's face, the serenity that's on it. There's this peaceful calm where he understands that he was wrong, he failed. But there's kind of this on the other side of that chaos. There's a sense of what to do moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that he needs to pass on a deeper truth, and the deeper truth is that that of nonviolence. That the mm-hmm. Jedi are are to be nonviolent. Um, 
And it's something he kind mm. of passes on to Luke. Um, but another thing that Yoda says in this movie, again, like once once Obi Wan and Yoda go back to the temple, they recalibrate, you know, the the beacon to send everybody away as opposed to bring them back. Yoda, I love this little statement when he goes, "Destroy the Sith, we must," and he stamps his his cane down, you know, mm. with such conviction. I feel like this is the Jedi Order has now been decimated. So there is an immediate question of what does it mean to be a Jedi? And in Yoda's perspective here, the, a part of what it means to be a Jedi is to destroy the Sith. Now, how does one do that? Yoda is kind of like you were saying earlier, Katie, caught up in this yeah. mindset of war, which the immediate thought is, well, let's just go defeat them. Let's go fight them and kill them. You yeah. know, that's the, that's the, the result. Again, if you read the novel, there's this beautiful moment when Yoda's fighting Sidious in the novel. And again, I really like this in the novel more, too. Sidious just like he just cleans Yoda's clock, which I actually really appreciate um, Mm -hmm. because it makes more sense. Of course, the Sith are better at violence than a Jedi. Um, Yeah, right. Yeah. But Yoda has this realization in the novel. He says he realizes that he lost from day one when he went into this fight. He lost because violence is the tool of the dark side. And Yoda Mm -hmm. thinks to himself. I got to hold on to this truth. I got to get out of here. And that's when he gets out because he knows he needs to pass that on. And what I think is so beautiful in Return of the Jedi is Luke finally does what Yoda says to Obi-Wan that day in the Jedi Temple. Destroy the Sith we must. Luke knows how to do it. Love. Love for the the broken. And it just makes me think, you know, and then as our story progresses, well, for whatever reason, Ben falls which takes Luke out of the picture and in Luke's absence, you know, which is, it's even stated in the, the opening crawl of force awakens, you know, in the absence of Luke, the first order has risen from the ashes, you Mm -hmm. know, they come out full force because Luke's gone. Well, the Jedi are needed to keep the darkness at bay, but how do they keep the darkness at bay? I think that's an evolving answer. Yeah. We haven't gotten that, that last step yet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it's that question of how how do we fight? You know, that's being brought up here. If if destroy the Sith, we must. How do we do that? You know, yeah. and, uh, and and it really does come down to saving what we love versus fighting what we hate, which mm-hmm. is what we do. You know, that's what everybody does throughout this entire movie. It's all like, well, I have to destroy evil. You know, which means I have to go fight it and kill it, and then it'll be gone forever, and we'll never have to deal with it ever again. You know, once it's just dead. You know. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Uh, which that doesn't even work at the end of episode six, you know, because because killing it, that just that just doesn't end the conflict, you know, anyway, anyway. But then that's exactly what Obi-Wan and, and Padme do, you know, well, uh, Padme does try to go save what she loves, you know, but she she doesn't do it in an open and honest way with Obi-Wan. You know, if she and Obi-Wan had maybe collaborated together and gone to Mustafar with the with the joined intention of we are going to save this person that we love so much. I think things would have been very, very different. Mm. But instead, Obi-Wan went there to destroy Darth Vader, not to save Anakin Skywalker. You know, and then that's why that falls apart so much. Uh, yeah. uh, but I had a I had a question because something became like just like blaringly obvious to me watching this movie and i'm either about to blow your guys's mind or you guys are about to end my entire career (laughs) (laughs) so this you know we as an audience know what the dark side is because we've seen the ot right by the time episode three has come out we have six you know five movies behind us right 
But if we're watching this chronologically, has anybody ever said what the dark side is by episode three? I don't think so. I don't think so either. We, we've had the Force broken down for us a bit. We've had yeah. midichlorians broken down for us. We're still asking ourselves what a Jedi is, you know, and, and, and we have an idea of what a Sith is because, you know, they're the, they're the bad guys behind the scene. You know, they're the guys with the tattooed faces and the horns, right? You know? Mm-hmm. But nobody has said what the dark side is. It is just an idea, and it's just... Oh, oh, you don't want it. And if you fall to the dark side now, you're, you're done. You're done, Zo. You know, <laughs> like, you know, the um, uh, Mace Windu and Kenny Monday and Yoda all stand around and they're all like, you know what? The dark side surrounds the chancellor. He needs to be removed from office. You know, it's just like, w- wait, why? What What is the dark side and why is it so bad? You know what I mean? We're not answering any questions about it. It's just unquestioned evil and we should be afraid of it and kill it as soon as you know as soon as we see it right mm-hmm. but but now that we're in the sequel era of things and we're having it unpacked for us a little bit you know um like in the master and apprentice novel you know count dooku talking about how um the dark side is a part of nature you know and and Qui-Gon Jinn remembering the first time he felt a, a tree that was powerful in the dark side, you know, and having that unpacked for him where it's all like, yeah, it is a part of nature. It grows and it will always be here just like the light, you know? Mm. But it's just so interesting to me that at step three in this journey, we have no answers about what the dark side is, it, you know, no introspection about it at all, no patience and no understanding, no empathy, just it is bad and we kill it. End of discussion, you know? And, uh, mm. You know, and that that doesn't allow for growth. You know, I think I think we should be brave enough. You know, Anakin should have been brave enough to to you know look at himself and think, you know, what are what are my actions? What have what are my choices? Have I done the right thing? You know, it's intolerable to Anakin to think that maybe he's the bad guy in this story. Mm. He can't think that even for a second. Yeah. No way. You know, obviously we are the heroes and they are the bad guys. You know what I mean? But that's mm-hmm. not really how it works. You know, and I think by the time we reach the end of this journey, you know what I mean? We're going to have characters, we're going to have heroes that are much more introspective and much more, you know, willing to, you know, accept and forgive themselves for their anger, for, you know, all these bad dark side feelings. I just, yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah, that's That's an interesting point. You know, and the only time, like, I'm thinking in the, the, in the movie itself, right, the, Mm -hmm. the, Palpatine, is, you know, confesses to Anakin in the moment when it's revealed who he truly is. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was. How do you know the ways of the Force? I was trained, you know, to use the dark side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he reveals that, and he, he he says two things about the dark side. Not necessarily what it is, but yeah. something that it right. This the dark side is a pathway to power. Some consider to be unnatural, and then mm-hmm. he also says, "Learn the power of the dark side, power to save Padme." Right. Mm-hmm. So. He's he's described like and and if you if you just look at those as objective statements, that's not evil. It's a pathway yeah. to power considered unnatural. Well, that sounds like a Jedi. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then power to save somebody that you love. What's wrong with that? <laughs> right. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So there's something about the dark side nature, like you said, though, that hasn't really been unpacked. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not really going to be until episode five when Yoda's right. like, uh, you know, anger, fear, aggression, the dark side are they? I guess when the, we'll get our first real look at it. Yeah. I guess the only real description that we have of it is from, mm-hmm. uh, the, to this point, is from the Phantom Menace. You know, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering. You know, that's. The most we've really gotten about the dark side explicitly, you know, it's not even explicit. Exactly. He doesn't even say dark side. He's just talking about here are some bad emotions that you're not allowed to have. And it just because you have them, you are wrong. And we don't want you here in our club. Like, you know, like these are natural feelings to have. You know what I mean? But they're telling this little nine-year-old boy that just because he has them, he's already failed. And it's just like, you know, instead of telling him how to process and deal with those emotions, it's like, well, you shouldn't even have them in the first place. What? Yeah. That's no good. Yeah. It's sort of of springboarding off of that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's interesting because in... The same scene you were referencing just a little bit ago, Carl, uh, when Obi-Wan and Yoda go back to the Jedi Temple. And after they've seen the hologram security recordings of what Anakin did, Yoda says flat out to to Obi-Wan, the the boy you trained, gone he is. Mm. But then we get the last Jedi and Leia is sitting there you know, pouring her heart out to Luke in a very, you know, uh, tender moment about the fact that she knows that she's lost her son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Luke says, no one's ever truly gone. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very different perspective that we're getting here now. Um, in light of what's happened over the years. So, Luke is, you know, honest enough to know that he can't do the saving that that might restore Ben to to Leia and to the light side. But you know, he still leaves her with a little bit of hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well that so Yeah. That makes yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because it makes me think of actually um Padme's dying words to obi-wan right right there is good in him him. there's still good in him right and which is what luke tells obi-wan and yoda in return of the jedi right and here's what i was thinking is is that like it's kind of like you just said jason with that that moment between luke and leia and luke being aware that he won't be the one and can't be the one to to save ben he is certainly savable just not by luke i think obi-wan even though he never says it obi-wan can't be the one to save Anakin. The only no. person who can do that is Padme. But Padme's gone, so what will do it? Padme's children. I mean, specifically mm-hmm. Luke, obviously. Leia doesn't really have anything to do with that specific redemption arc. But, um, mm-hmm. right, it's a piece of Padme, right? Yeah. Literally, her offspring is what mm-hmm. can save um, Anakin. And I think that's just, again, um, you know, as, as somebody once put it. Again, it's like poetry. It's sort of they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. 
You know, somebody once said that. Oh gosh, that ties that ties <laughs> in just perfectly to the the very last thing I wanted to bring up. It's it's such a small thing, but for some reason it really resonated with me. Was when Padme said, "This baby will change our lives," mm. you know, mm. and that made me think of Anakin going, "I don't want things to change." But you can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. And then this movie ends with with Baru and and Owen holding baby Luke and watching the sunset because, you know, you couldn't you couldn't stop the change. You know, everything, everything was going to change, you know, and and you couldn't stop it. So you could either rejoice in it or or mourn and, and fight and rail against it. And Anakin chose to fight and rail against it, you know, but. Kate, Katie, yeah. you just gave me chills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It like I said, it was such a small thing, but it it was, it, yeah, chills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was big to me this time around. I'm really glad we decided to do this series of watching the movies in this context because I I had never thought about it that way. And honestly, yeah, watching watching Baru and and Owen like hold baby Luke, watching the sunset. You know, you yeah. can't. You can't stop the change. I was just, I, I was very, very emotional. I was crying. Oh. I was crying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful, though. Oh. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Can I just put one last point in about the Force, just in general? Sure. Because yeah. I feel like that's an integral part to the Skywalker saga, obviously. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so much of, now that we're wrapping up this prequel story, um, you know, we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about Phantom Menace, that the Force has responded to kind of the shenanigans of Palpatine and even Plagueis before him mm-hmm. by creating this chosen one in Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, to me, like the prequel story is ultimately about the Force countering this malevolent evil force with something pure and good, which is the Anakin we meet in Phantom Menace. He is pure mm-hmm. and good. Um, but he falls prey to Palpatine. So the Force has to respond to that once again, and it responds through Luke and Leia. Through the love of Anakin and Padme, the Force now has an answer to the darkness. Well, just like Anakin falls prey to Palpatine, Kylo falls prey to Snoke, mm-hmm. who I'm really hoping might have connections to Palpatine. Um, mm-hmm. And Kylo <laughs> falls prey to that to those very same empty promises, whatever they may be to Kylo. We don't know that yet, but the force has a response again and it's Ray. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think that while the prequels in a very interesting way, well, in a very important way, the, the, the mythology spirituality of the force is very downplayed because of the fact that the Jedi have been corrupted by a war. um, It's always subtly at work all throughout that story. And it ultimately, it gave us Anakin at the beginning of the story, but when he falls short, it gives us something beautiful and pure in Luke and Leia. And now in, um, and then, you know, the original trilogy is ultimately how the two of them in their own way, save what was broken. And now things have been broken again. And the force responds with Ray. Um, I mean, I think also with Poe and Leia and Finn and Rose <laughs> as well, but in a very unique way with Ray. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, it, it, it again, it's these cycles, these rhyming beats. You know, every, every time 
the force experiences something trying to twist things against the natural flow of things, it responds and it's like, okay, course correction. Um, and, and it does it repeatedly as throughout this entire saga, as we've seen, and it will do so again in the future. Yeah. So you could say, you know, it's like poetry. So if they rhyme, Mm -hmm. every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Right. Somebody's yes, you could say that. You could, yes. <laughs> you, you, you could definitely say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Carl. Yeah, um, don't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. Can I leave one last little nugget out there just to ponder as we leave this discussion? Yeah. Because this is something that we're kind of getting hints at and are speculating on, but there's no real, you know, answer as to what exactly is going to happen. Uh, life after death and those who pursue it. Um, Palpatine is very interested in, in staying alive and, and, and finding a way to cheat death. Mm. And we got the rise of Skywalker coming and he's featured somehow, some yeah. way. And, uh, I don't, I don't know how he's going to do that or, or what's going to provide the circumstances for that. But while Palpatine is expert in uh, political machinations, he's also extremely desperate to dive into the unexplained of the Force. And it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, he's able to achieve after what he sort of sp- plants in Anakin's mind here in Revenge of the Sith as what he's desiring. So, I don't know. There's a little nugget for you to ponder as we head towards uh, Rise of Skywalker, folks, because eh, one other tie back might be in order. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I don't have anything else. I think we've had a good discussion. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else anybody else has? I just, you know, Rise the, or Revenge of the Sith is such a heavy movie. Let's lighten the mood for a second. Hiya, Bobby. Hi, Ken. You want to go for a ride? Sure, Ken. Jump in. I'm a Bobby girl in the Bobby world. Life in plastic. It's fantastic. You can brush my hair. All right, sorry, just had to bring it down. (laughs) Ah, did you know that's my exact jam when I'm slaughtering younglings? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh! (laughs) Terrific! Oh my gosh! (laughs) Oh, I'm going to pass out now. It's been an emotional day. It has. I needed that. Thanks, Carl. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, after some Revenge of the Sith, you need you need a little bit of fun. Yeah. So something silly. So I mean, I know there's so much more that all of us could say, Katie. I know you've got like 18 pages of notes. Yeah, I know. You were just like blowing our minds all afternoon with with several things you didn't even get to share on the show, which sucks because she has. A lot of great things to say. Uh, yeah, um, I was instead of live tweeting Revenge of the Sith, I was just <laughs> I was in our group chat, just like guys screaming about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Oh. Don't worry, folks. I'm sure some of these other discussion points will come back in future episodes. So oh, it's not like it's not like we're done talking about Revenge of the Sith. So no, gosh, no. We have you know five more movies. To do. Right. <laughs> yes. 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 That's uh, so. I love the, I love doing this. Like you said, yeah. Katie, it's it's, a, oh, it's so fun watching them I, with that lens. I'm yes. super looking forward to episode four. It's, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's happening. We going. <laughs> we going. <Yes. laughs> so good. Such a good a uh, good path that we've done for ourselves here. So. But before we wind up this episode, uh, we do have a matchup for you. And Carl, would you be so kind as to share the matchup with the lovely people listening at home? Of course. Yeah. So, um, again, this may have been something we did a few years ago, but, you know, it's been so long we lose track of things. And there's always, I know, there's like new people all the time, too. So, but just in light of Revenge of the Sith, this is a scenario that I always was curious about why specifically it doesn't play out and what would have happened if it would, which is simply, what if Obi-Wan and Yoda teamed up and went after Sidious together? Who wins that fight? You tell us. You decide. Who wins that duel between Darth Sidious and Obi-Wan and Yoda tag-teamed? So we want to know what you think. I love it. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. I I still have to think on this. And, of course, you know, the reason why it didn't happen is... Plot, ladies and plot, gentlemen. Plot, plot. But Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup for next week or anything else we discussed here in this episode, which was chock full of wonderful, amazing stuff, um, if we do say so ourselves, uh, where can they do that? Uh, obviously, we're uh, always active on Twitter at Wampuslayer. We're on Facebook at Wampuslayer Podcast, and you can obviously email us at Wampuslayer Podcast at gmail.com and katie where can folks keep up with you and all of your mind-blowing musings <laughs> you guys can find me on twitter at poe hot Dameron. it's a very good maltastic time let's <laughs> <laughs> do it do it anything else carl katie hold me <laughs> like you did by the link on the boo <laughs> <laughs> oh. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 342. 43. Oh, 343. 343? Yep. Am I wrong? Uh, sorry. 343. Oh, Sith! Carl and Katie, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.